Seahawks fans to the newest episode of the Seahawks Nest Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Sato, joined, as always, by the Kachin to my Deku. It's Kevin Garber. Kevin, how you doing? Uh, doing doing quite well. And our very own Manada. That's right. It's Eric Ronnebeck. Eric, that intro was for like eight people. How did you like it? Yeah, it's. Uh, I'm going to Google it and be mad about it later. You are definitely going to be mad once you figure it out. Much later. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, so we're back. Uh, newest episode. The the thing is, this week we've heard some. We've gotten some weird news. You ready for the weirdest news story? Mm-hmm. The plague. Michael Bennett, oh. the guy who reads books during team meetings, in an interview today said, "I would like to come back and finish my career as a Seattle Seahawk." I thought you were gonna say Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That is weird. Okay. Yeah. That's- um, Eric, let's start with you. Eric, how would you feel about Michael Bennett back in a Seahawks uniform? Uh, this is the take shoppiest. Uh, by the way, this is the takiest uh, setup I've ever given you guys. Yeah, absolutely. So I feel bad. Also, for the record, get get ready for a hodgepodge offseason show, ladies and gentlemen. Take take shop. Yeah, this is the this is the most patchwork episode. Okay, uh, if it's low money, I'll take it. He was a huge disruption. Uh, looking back at his most recent few years, the man is a giant baby. He's extremely immature. Uh, can he play nice? And play well for us and win one more Super Bowl. I mean, why not? That's my take. Nice, Kevin. No, nah, dog, I'm out. You're out. Why are you just straight out? Um, I don't think that he can provide 16 games of quality. I'd rather spend the effort and roster spot somewhere else. Not just third down. What if it's only third down? I'd rather bring back Quentin Jefferson. I mean, it, what? It's not an either-or choice between him and Quentin Jefferson, though. If we're being honest, like that's, if we're looking at roster spots, money, it's going to be an either or between him and somebody. So Ziggy Ansah, you're who's out. The, who's the I mean, somebody? Last year, I mean, yeah, I guess. Last year, Michael Michael Bennett was the 81st ranked Pro Football Focus uh, edge defender. He had a pretty good uh, run defend rating and pass defend rating. He coughs up a little bit with the penalties and the tackling. Like, like we know, we we know. Well, he lines on okay. up offside. We are every play. All right, very legitimately, if I'm Michael not being Bennett. a jerk, then my statement is: if we can bring back a low money deal, I'm fine with it. But it has to be one year because we have to cut bait. I don't want to have to owe him a bunch. Yeah. And so one year, like four million. Something I mean, he like hasn't that, been a good yeah. tackler in the NFL uh, in terms of like pro football folks earnings since what 2013. Like he had 15 missed tackles in 2015. Eight in 2017, nine in 2018. That's a lot for a defensive end. Yep. Um, now, here's the thing. He does bring stuff to the table. He's a, still a, a positive pass rusher, still an excellent run defender on the edge. So here's my thing. I think that the way he walked away sucked. The way that he walked away was well, Can I make a stipulation? Not, was not great. He has to ride back into town on the bicycle that he did his victory lap on. Okay, <laughs> fine. The the thing is, the way he walked away sucked. The way he walked away was not good. But he has been on three teams since then: the Eagles, New England, and Dallas. And I think on some level, you don't know what you have until it's gone. And maybe Michael Bennett looks back at what he had in Seattle. And he looks paved back, paradise. Looks back and, and he says, "You know what? To be honest with you, I I was I screwed up. I should have just stuck with Seattle. I'm 34 years old. I've got one or two years of good play left." And I want to give it to this team that did right by me and didn't, you know, treat me like garbage. And I'm going to come back and maybe be a better person this time. And I, I think that is not a better teammate, you know, because I think Michael Bennett's a fine person, but better teammate. Right. And that's that does not seem unreasonable to me. So I would be fine taking Michael Bennett at like two eight or like, you know, two ten, something like that. Some kind of 
some kind of a you know fair team team friendly deal, or even maybe just exactly the contract we signed Ziggy Ansah to this year. You know, the exact Ziggy Ansah deal. Pass that on to Michael Bennett and say, hey, now you're our guy who's going to play second and third down, and 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 maybe you'll you won't suck this bad. That's not possible. Low bar. Yeah, give him the nice low bar to cross. All right. Uh, the next. The next, uh, so that that was the the weirdest, I think. That is pretty weird. I don't think that there's like a something that I less expected than that. I didn't even hear about that. That's uh, that's some deep trolling news. I I mean, it was today, so maybe that you just haven't. Maybe just didn't make it to you yet. Yeah, if it's like, was it after five? So, the the next thing is that the the team picked up three compensatory picks. Yep, round three, pick one hundred and one. Round four, pick one forty four, and round. Uh, six pick two fourteen. Not really a, a weird story, but just one that like I think a lot of people look at the Seahawks draft now and say we have a lot of assets to bring to this draft. This is going to be a draft where we get to pick at least seven or eight players, and that's that's big. This is a kind of a turning point for the franchise. Yeah, four picks in the first three rounds is a big deal. Okay, now let's go back to weird stories. You ready? The Seahawks <laughs> scouted xfl quarterback pj walker to see if he could be russ's backup this season i think that's a good move yeah it's fine for us if russ is hurt we're screwed so why not who cares i like my 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 theory always is with this is if you're paying a quarterback 30 million dollars you really can't afford for them to get hurt right so instead we're gonna pay pj uh walker zero dollars to sit on the bench and that's better than paying geno smith more than zero dollars yeah eric do you're a you're a big xfl fan (laughs) yeah just just kidding it's me uh, why Why do you have to take from the XFL? They have so little. Why you got to take the only thing they have? But the, the pro, here's the problem with the XFL, okay, is that honestly the defensive players look pretty decent. Uh, a lot of the skill position players look fine except for the quarterbacks. The quarterbacks are awful. And the thing about watch after watching lots of football, it's hard to watch really bad quarterback play. It's not fun. It's not entertaining. Um, I don't want to see Josh Allen play Sam Darnold on Sunday, and I don't want to see these XFL games with these bad quarterbacks. It's not fun. It's less entertaining. If you're going to be bad, at least be bad in a fun way, like Jameis Winston. You know, you you come out and throw 30 interceptions and 30 uh, touchdowns and make it make it fun for me to watch. So what you're telling me is that all of the XFL needs LASIK. I mean, I'll be honest with you. Bryce Harper started wearing contacts, and his batting average went way up. Why can't... Why can't Jameis Winston get laced? Why can't Jameis Winston's batting average go way up? Well, it could because he did play baseball. His completion (laughs) percentage could go way up. Who knows? I'm I'm worried about his batting average. I'm worried about his batting average, too, because he said he wanted to be the next Bo Jackson when he was in college. And I'm still waiting, Jameis. I'm still waiting. He means he wants to suffer a massive hip injury. Poor Bo Jackson. Do you know how? Do you know how he thinks he got that hip injury? He would have changed. He the popped game. his own hip back in when it popped out, and yep. then broke all the blood vessels when he did it. Poor Bo. Yeah, it's probably because he watched Lethal Weapon. It was popular back then. <laughs> Bo knew Bo. All right. Any uh, any other Seahawks adjacent stories that you guys want to talk about before we get into the meat and potatoes? Uh, no. Let's oh. bring on the meat and nope. the potatoes. Too bad, Kevin. Got another weird story for you. Ready? You already said no. The Seahawks are interested in bringing back Alex Collins. I saw that. Yeah, I, I heard that. Sure. For for very have, little money, I hope. I have zero emotional investment in that statement. Certainly a thing that happens in the world. Okay, let's get out of here. <laughs> the, the, um, we're going to bring back Troy Main Pope, move, too. We're, <laughs> Troy Main Pope. <laughs> moving on. All right, J- 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 Jamie and Clowney. Rumors coming around. 
the Seahawks, the, it's been said the Seahawks won't go above 18 to 20 million. He's looking for something in the 22 to 23 dollars, 23 million dollar range. He has added the New York Giants to his wish lists of teams. Uh, for those of you at home not very good at math, 23 million, a lot more than 18 to 20. Yeah, so do you do you do you think that the that the uh, Seahawks and Clowney are growing apart? Is there any way they come together on this? Do the Seahawks back up the Brinkstrup to make sure they get him? Eric, what do you think? Okay, so putting the Giants on his wish list, I don't know anything to be sure, but if you're a professional football player, you have this thing called an agent. And the agent says, yeah, baby, you're the best player I got, baby. You're my best friend. We're going to get you paid. And then he says, you know what? We can help you get paid if look at these terrible teams that have a ton of cap space. Would you want to play for any of these? No, I like New York. Like, that's a dope city. Cool. You're interested in the Giants now because that's the only thing that really makes sense. Unless, you know, he's going to be the quarterback, too. All right. I'm setting up shop on Unpopular Corner. Um, I've said it at the, on the podcast. I've said it amongst y'all. I'm going to officially set up shop on the corner of I don't want Clowney or Ngakwe. I'd rather have Clowney than Ngakwe, but I don't want either one. I don't want to spend $20 million on a pass rusher that is a questionable fit. You ready for this, Kevin? If the Seahawks wanted to pay more than $20 million for a pass rusher, they would have done it last year with Frank Clark. Yep. Yep. There's no reason that they would... I don't think Jadavian Clowney is a significant step forward, especially considering system fit to Jadavian Clowney, and the pressure numbers certainly support this point of view. And so if we were going to pay him over 20, we would do that. Now, if there's a $23 million contract available for him from New York, he is going to have to decide, do I want to play for the Seahawks for 20 or do I want to go play for the Giants for 23? And at this point, if he really is interested in playing for the Giants, he's going to be playing for the Giants. Yep. Because there's there's just no way that – it's just – it is what it is. It is what it is. And I, I would love to have – And I don't begrudge him it. I don't – I'm not mad. I'll I mean, be happy with my third-round pick. If someone was like, hey, I'm going to pay you an extra 15% compared to someone else, I'd be like, okay, I'm going to work for that guy. Yeah. You know, it's it's not it's not my – or it's not his fault that that's the way it works. That's just the way it is. So – yeah, here we go. We're not Jadavian Clowney. I'm I'm pretty much mentally checking out on that. I don't I don't have great hopes for it happening. Um, this it just wouldn't be very Seahawks. No, and I think you're right. Especially if it's if we can get about 18 million a year and front load the contract somehow, it just doesn't. I don't know. I feel like we'd have to lowball him. That would just insult him. It's it was fun, but he's gone. Yeah, five, a hundred and five. I think that's like as high as the team would go with Ford. Like in in the guarantees aren't going to be as good as what other teams offer either. That's another problem. Is the Seahawks are only going to guarantee like the first two years of the contract because that's the way. If you look at the way all of our contracts are structured now, there's not much guaranteed money even past the first year, let alone the second year. And so look at our cap table for like the next three years, and the 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 pro, that that creates a situation where like you know if we give him. 60 million guaranteed well the next guy's going to come up and go okay now it's my turn to get the first three years guaranteed and that's that's tough on the team you don't you don't want to end up in the situation we were just we just got ourselves out of with yeah, the, paying a lot paying, of money to cam, cam and doug can cam chancellor a bunch of money to stay home for multiple years that's not the situation this team wants to be in ever again and they're they're wary because of that and so and it's not like Clowney has like a like a long history of clean bill of health or something Correct. Do you guys uh, have any other uh, Jadavian Clowney 
thoughts before we move to the the next thing? Yeah, I think that even if we don't resign him, it was a it was a good move. It was a smart deal. It was uh, finding the deal that you could in order to make the best team that uh, John Schneider could make for 2019. And look, so, the season we would never made the playoffs without him last year. I'm not. I don't like begrudge the deal or anything like that. I just think that it's tough. Like you said, Kevin, it kind of fell into our lap, right? Right. You just, just kind of take the opportunities as they come up. You're always competing. That's John. That's John Schneider and Pete Carroll to the max, right? Yep. You and Pete so even for this, he'll leave town, and hopefully, we get that third round compensatory for it, um, depending on how things break. And so we just delayed our third round pick by a year. Helped in last year's draft too. In order to yeah, in order to get uh, get a guy who made our defense a lot better for a year. Yeah, Jadavian Clowney has started all sixteen games in his career in six seasons. How many times? Twice. Once. All right, so let's um move on. We had a suggestion from a listener, um, and it was I thought this was like a very good Eric question because Eric. Brain kind of works like this. This is how. This is <laughs> like the best way of putting. This it. is like in Eric's wheelhouse, and also the Patreons have been clamoring. They've been saying we want more Eric. I don't know if you've seen the Discord. I did. Eric, I saw the. Uh, but they, they're waiting for my draft. We crush. want Eric. We want Eric. So Eric, you're not going to get him on the Patreon. That's for sure. Uh, <laughs> Only because I get on, and I'm like, do none of you people have jobs? I have two two guys that do the show where they're both teachers, and you talk. What are you doing? Uh, for the record, Eric's draft crush, Makai Becton, the only player big enough to crush Eric. Makai Becton. No, I think Eric... He's an offensive lineman. I did my homework. I think Eric's draft crush, I think Eric's draft crush is Yeter Gross Matos. Uh, am I right? Who, that is your draft crush. No, no. I My draft crush, I think, is J.K. Dobbins. I'm going to tell you right now, my draft crush is yet to be formed because it's usually... Uh, longtime listeners of the show will know that Eric Eric's draft crush is a guy we're probably just going to miss out on. So uh, it's going to be like, I don't know, that cornerback from Alabama or something. Oh, like, yeah. Diggs. Diggs. Yeah. Like, Diggs, it's right now, like, I think so, I think so Diggs cool. was, like, looking good from a distance. But then, like, I saw Diggs in a red dress and I was like, oh, I don't Diggs, know. Uh, Diggs, it would be so cool to get to because it's, uh, it's, it's our Diggs' cousin. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, it would be cool to have them on the same team, you know, because... We'd have the, the cousins. Now we, we have the twins, the cousins. You know, all we could trade for family, the wide receiver. Family connections. There's, Russell oh, Wilson's sister will oh, be yeah. available Get to in draft there. in a few years. All right. Uh, so the listener question, though. The listener asked us, if the ghosts of the past were to visit, was it the Seahawks coaching staff, Eric? I know you. It was, you, Pete, it was, it was Pete Carroll. Oh, if they're visiting Pete Carroll and it's different ghosts, who are the ghosts that Pete needs? Was it Pete needs? Or? Well, it was Pete Carroll is visited by the three ghosts of Christmas. Oh, uh, who is who is each ghost? Who is each yeah. ghost? That's a great question, by the yep. way. Uh, so you would, can take it. You can. Who would the ghost be that he needs at this who, time in his career? Okay, wait. I gotta give props to the person who actually asked this. So, um, give me like one second to pull it up. Oh, it's Joel. It was Joel. Joel, right? Yep. Yeah. Good job, Joel. That's a that's a dope question. Sorry it took so long, Joel. I'm sorry it took us like a month to get to it. We were kind of saving it for a podcast where we didn't for have, a dead episode where we don't have any great ideas. We're day just like today. All right, Eric. Hit me up. Who are the ghosts? Uh, past, present, and future, right? Yeah, yeah. But you always gotta start with that messenger. Oh well, and I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna dive into the uh, Des Moines Dynamo voice because it just sounds so good when you talk about the ghosts on a chilly Christmas Eve night at <laughs> Pete Carroll's door. Monty Kiffin appears as Jacob Marley, the former mentor to Pete Carroll, and he says, "Pete, 
Don't be like me and have a long journey career with only one Super Bowl. Oh. And that kicks us off. <laughs> You'll be visited by three spirits tonight. Woo. First one, Dan Quinn is the ghost of football past, showing Pete all the memories of the last time he had a solid assistant coach everyone was fine with. Then, uh, in an hour, you'll be visited by the next ghost, the ghost of Christmas present, which is the Legion of Boom, showing Pete all the teams who could be laying at our feet if the nucleus was just held together. At the end, they will show Pete their children, hubris and Quixotic for passing in Super Bowl Forty Nine and thinking the personnel on the field would execute. Because remember, this is not like an uplifting story until the very end. And then finally, more mercurial in his own good time. I didn't write that down. I just have it memorized because I've seen, uh, you know, I've read the story so much and I've watched all the films. Bill Belichick is the ghost of football future. He will show you your future as a coach who almost got to Belichick's level. Pete wakes up Christmas morning, says, uh, Hey, kid, uh, you're running really fast. You look like you're a winner. Uh, buy me that turkey in the window, and we're going to go win a Super Bowl. That turkey, Calais Campbell, or whoever. Uh, <laughs> gross mottos. Uh, Christmas miracle, we win another Super Bowl. All right. Uh, Kevin, I, I saw that you have, a, you have a, a prepared answer for this as well. I do, because it's such a fun question. I couldn't help myself. Um, so, a similar note. Uh the uh, the messenger the the Marley of this situation, uh, former longtime Vikings coach and Pete Carroll mentor Bud Grant. Wow. Okay. Who gave Pete his shot as a defensive backs coach and has always been a mentor, and who owns an zero and four Super Bowl record and knows a little something about how to miss a chance with a great team. Yeah. Telling him, don't ha- don't you know your chains will be heavier than mine <laughs> because of the quarterback that you're wasting. And then we take a look at the Ghost of Christmas past, but this isn't just Pete Carroll's past. This is the Seahawks' past. We're going to talk about Chuck Knox. Okay. Because in 1984, when star running back Kurt Warner went down week one with an injury, he turned from ground Chuck to air Knox. And at a pivot point, Pete needs to do the same thing. He needs to be reminded that you must adapt to your talent. Mm. Because I believe the question was, which ghost does Pete need? Ghost of Christmas present, the ghost of Seahawks present, the everything of Seahawks present, Russell Wilson. Uh, he's the president of the franchise, and he'll tell Pete that he can trust him. He can trust that it's time, and he's ready to take the team to the next level. And the ghost of football future. Big game Bob Stoops. <laughs> Former Oklahoma Sooners head coach, former defensive coordinator, but a man who learned to embrace offense to reach his pinnacle as a head coach with offensive coordinators like Mike Leach, Kevin Sumlin, Lincoln Riley, and Kevin Wilson. He was able to adapt to a modern offensive football juggernaut while still keeping his defensive roots for the height of his career. Wow. That's pretty Uh, good. That's a deep pull right there. You guys want me to try to ad lib one? This is gonna be ugly. Go for it. Uh, Monty, Monty Kiffin is the host. Obviously, I agree with Eric. Uh, that's his. That's his like mentor. Invented the cover oh, too. But Grant. Um, okay, the Ghost of Christmas Pass is uh, Holmgren, who's trying to teach him that a short pass is the same as a run. Uh, <laughs> and then 
the ghost. Oh, and then you need off good offensive linemen to to run. Uh, the the ghost of uh, present is going to be uh, Chris Richard um, because we he'll be like, why did you fire me for Ken Norton? That was really stupid. And then <laughs> and then the ghost of Christmas uh, future. That's a that's a tough one. Um, this is tough, but let's go with um, it's the Kirk Kirk. Uh, what's the Cardinals coach's name? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, because it's because twenty seven. He'll, he'll be like every every once in a while you got to spread it out, Pete, and then and then um, and that's it. That's that's my that's my ghosts. And then Pete Carroll wakes up. And uh, he has Cliff Kingsbury. Cliff Kingsbury. There you go. And then he. Uh, Sorry, Carroll, I was laughing so hard. It took me a second to think. He's trying really hard to not say Ken Wisenhunt. He uh, plays empty backfield with five wide receivers. <laughs> there you go. That's my. Uh, that's my ghosts. So did, you, did I do okay? Oh, yeah, I did great. Down did here I? where I wrote all this, I do have an extra note. Uh, Super Bowl. Jimmy Garoppolo is the thirteenth to twentieth best QB in the NFL and showed it. Um, it's no longer relevant, but I mean, you know, you can't say it too many times. He's a. Uh, I do love old notes. I have my phone too. He's not. He's not great. I'll tell you that. Um, okay, can I talk about a thing that came out? Like, uh, uh, so if anybody doesn't follow Johnny Kinsley, um, it's at Brickwall Blitz on Twitter. He finished his nineteen twenty uh, deep ball project, which I think is like it's always fun to look at. This year, Russell Wilson got eighth. He's always in the top ten, and I mean Johnny is always very complimentary towards how great of a deep ball thrower Russell Wilson is. Um, he was accurate on 53.25% of his deep throws, which is especially impressive considering I think he attempted the second most deep throws out of everyone. The first was Aaron Rodgers. No, third most. He had uh, less than, than our boy Jameis as well. Um, and just it's a really great, uh, fun article. But first was Kyler Murray, 30 for 49, which is pretty nuts. Do you think there's a chance the Cardinals just don't suck next year? Because I'm kind of starting to feel like that's a team I'm a little afraid of. Oh, they could really take the leap depending on how they finish this offseason. You know, I seem to remember you talking me into them not sucking this year, and then and they, they were sucked. and they were aggressively fine for a, for the at the end. They were aggressively crummy as well. There was there was a they were aggressive. We can agree on that. There was like they got off to a real bad start. I don't. Well, it's a young quarterback in a situation where he had to roll out to his right every single time. Their this offensive is... line was. Well, that's Great that's like, what it comes down to. How is their draft going to go? I mean, and they how had much... that nice three game winning streak. They got to three and three. Then they lost like what six games in a row? I think yeah, six games in a row. And they finished two and one. And they beat the Seahawks and in a really frustrating game. I think maybe the most yeah, frustrating game yeah. of the year. Every single year. So I don't know. I, I just don't. I'm I'm curious. I wouldn't be surprised if they were like equal with the Rams next year. I. That is almost as much of an indictment of the Rams as it is a an endorsement of the Cardinals. But yes, it is because <laughs> the Ram, the Rams are in cap hell. They look like garbage. Um, they have uh, and they have a horrible new logo, which I am now ready to speak about. That was all a big segue to that, Eric. Uh, what, this is basically just I wrote down like a million things I could mention today, and um, I'm just getting to all of them in any way possible. It's great. So, it's so Eric, kids. Los Angeles Rams logo. What do you think? Okay, as the uh, uniform aficionado of this podcast, don't don't be mistaken. It's complete garbage, but I think it looks like a paper towel logo. Everyone says the same thing. <laughs> it's like the charge in their abs had a baby and blah blah blah. No, it it looks like a like a crummy like 
like a gym membership logo, like a paper towel logo. You're, you're if, it, if it was LA Fitness's new logo, I would not be shocked. Yeah, if it was LA Fitness's logo, I'd be like, you know, that's that's a pretty good change, LA Fitness. Nice. I think it looks like someone took three toenail clippings and overlaid them over top of the Avengers A. Okay. And then, <laughs> and then was like, well, we have to put an L in here too because it's Los Angeles. So. I thought for a second, if they remove the LA and they just use the toenail clippings as the helmet... Is that better? No. <laughs> the toenail clippings are the worst part. Like, I just cannot. I have no tolerance for that. It, who thought? First of all, the Rams, their uniforms right now, I thought like, okay, they're changing the, they changed the uniforms without changing the helmet. I thought this is going to be ugly. But the helmet is so good that it didn't matter. Yeah. Like their, their helmet is so good that it still looked good even though they changed the Well, uniform. they're trying to erase and, the memories of St. Louis. St. Louis wore gold because after that first year in St. Louis, they won the Super Bowl, and the owner was like, "My team's so good, I want to make them gold." Crunky, yeah. And uh, yeah, and, and his wife, and so it's uh, it, they they made it gold. You did away with the gold. You brought back the old yellow and blue. Everyone knows the greatest color scheme and of they all did a, time. And they have like a blue and white thing too. Yeah, and that's I think that's way classic. I don't, I don't understand, but you know what? Keep screwing everything up, Rams. Screw up every single level. I love it. Your it, fans it's, suck. It's Sonic the Hedgehog movie level of like messing up a graphic design. Like, yes. if they delayed the they Sonic. They take the- a year and redesign it like well, Sonic did. We should find the people who were in the focus group for this hat or logo or whatever and be like, hey, why did you say yes to this? Seriously. Were you it trying- says Los Angeles County School for the Blind. Oh, okay. That, it's it's like the Miami Marlins three years ago when they changed their logo before they changed it again. My favorite thing has been watching Rams fans try to talk themselves into it because <laughs> uh, that's the that's the best part because it's it's so bad and it it just looks like garbage. And then people they're like, you know, uh, I kind of I kind of like it, you know, when when you flatten it out and it looks like it's it looks like a mullet made of toenail clippings like you you can't sell me on this like it's so stupid. There's no justification for this. Uh, You should they should never have done it. It's it's really disappointing. Like if I was a Rams fan, I would be really hot. And I'm not, so it's great for me because this is like literally, literally they took one of the best uniform helmet combos. They had one of the best like logo uniform helmet, like it all looked great and they made it terrible. And that's, that's awesome. Well, they could have done so much more and they just, uh, they, well, they rammed it up. That's what they do. They worked really hard to make their stadium look like the old logo and then changed it to this too. That's another great thing, which looks like. I don't know a flushing toilet mullet. I I don't. It's so bad, dude. It's so bad. I like how you keep portraying to mullet and toenail clipping. That's what it looks like. Have you seen uh, it? Yes, I have. I'm looking I at all these. Were wrong. I just said it was funny. I'm looking at all these fan logos online just through Google image search, and it's like you know what? That's not very good, but it's so much better. Like this one, Kevin. Look at that. <laughs> That's really dumb looking. But, but yeah, it's, it's way better. better. They should have just gone. They back basically to the, sleeked the. They should have just gone back horns. to the white and blue. They should have just had this be their logo, like the like original the, it, logo. Yeah, because it's the era of, uh, like, nostalgia right now. And their helmet, this helmet that they've had, this is a great helmet. It's an awesome-looking helmet. I don't even like the Rams. This is a cool helmet. I don't understand why you would change it, especially to this. 
it's like when the Chargers tried to change their logo to that LA with the lightning with bolt. The lightning and everyone bolt. was like, nah, Chief, this ain't it. And they were like, okay, never mind. We'll go back to the drawing board. That's what needs to happen with this Rams new logo. Mm-hmm. They need to go back to the drawing board and be like, mm-mm, we messed up. We really did. We did not realize how good it's going to look, how bad it was going to look, and we need to change it. Because there's there's just no reason. And they, like I said, they have good iconography already. They have good, like, the font is really bad too. Like, what is this font? It really does look like the Avengers A. I don't, I don't know. I'm just not. It's very bad. Not into it. I, <clears throat> I award it zero out of ten points. All all logos and designs are done by design firms, but you can tell this one was done by a design firm. They sold it. The yellow represents the sand and the sun of Los Angeles. The blue, uh, all this crap. The, and the, the toenail yeah. clippings represent the diseased toes of our 18 the fans. The people that no you can't clear Angeles. off the boardwalk of Santa Monica Pier. <laughs> it's um, it's awful. It's it's literally the worst. So I don't know what to do with that. I'm Leave it right where it is and let it rot. I'm not 100% sure what's, like, what's next for them. That's the worst. That's the worst part. Um, so, okay, let's go. Let's go through uh, just a few positions that we think are positions of need before we get out of here uh, to the movie zone. And these are positions that I think this could be addressed. So I'm gonna. This is a game. You ready? Yes. So you got to choose free agents or draft. Okay. So you got to choose. Like, how should the Seahawks address this problem? These like are the this. these are the problems that the Seahawks mm-hmm. have on the roster. Do you prefer the options that are available in free agency? Or the options that are available in the draft. Let's start with edge rusher. Edge rusher, do you address this problem through free agency or the draft? Kevin. I mean, both, because we need so many pieces. I think that's an acceptable answer occasionally. Okay, yeah, as long as you don't overuse the both, I you think it's You get, you get fine. both two, but you, you may can have kind of both like one or two. You have to, you have to tell us why. Why is it both? It's both because we need probably three to four pieces. Okay. And so. That probably means like Where two you, free agency how about this? pieces and how about a draft this? pick. Let me ask this better. Where do you want to spend high? Do you want to spend high on the free agent or the or in the draft? Free agent. Okay. Or uh, draft. Sorry. Okay. So you'd rather spend like that first round pick on an edge guy and hope that that that. I'd rather spend a one or a two on an edge guy than spend fifteen on an edge guy. Okay. Eric, free agency or draft? Edge rusher. I'm going to mirror Kevin here. It's both, and here's why: because we need more pass rush. From many places, you can get this in the draft, but you don't want to overspend through free agency if your guy is not there in the first round or trading down late first round, early second, then you may need to add a little more through free agency. All right. So edge rusher, I'm going, I personally, I'm going to go free agency. I think that there's a lot of decent edge rushers available and pass rush available in free agency this year. Wherever you can get it, I think that that's where we need to spend the the resources of of the forty one million dollars. I would be more than happy to spend half of it or more on just pass rush and and defensive line guys. Uh, all right, let's go to the next position: offensive tackle. Eric, offensive tackle draft. But here's my problem: I've been doing a lot of mock drafts, and a lot of the top guys, I think. I think there's going to be five taken before our first pick. And that's that means that you're probably looking at interior offensive line, which is much different than tackle. 
having said that, I still think you gotta you gotta stick with the draft. There's there's no free agent I really want in the tackle position. Kevin, draft. I think one of our two second round picks is going to go for uh, one of those tier two offensive tackles like Isaiah Wilson or Ezra Cleveland, or at pick 27, one of those top five guys is going to fall to us. Um, could be Becton, could be Jones, could be... Uh, I hope it's not Becton. I'm, the more I think about Becton, the like... The, it was exciting at first to watch him just like yeet guys off of the screen in some of the tape, but then like the more I, the more I watch, the more I'm like... I don't know how this guy fits at into twenty seven. I wouldn't mind. It's it's modern like, NFL scheme, but it's like seeing him like mocked at pick four. Oh man, I would be so wary of that. That's a pick twenty seven. I I can, I'm fine with that. For me, I think you have to address this position through the draft. Most of the guys that I want in free agency are either going to be too expensive, Jack Conklin, or uh, only going to play left tackle. So Whitworth. it makes it really difficult for me to envision a situation where the main bulk of our resources need to come from the draft for this position. Bulaga is probably our best shot. If we get Bulaga, I would be, I'd be in. Cause he'd um, play right. Yeah. All right. How about corner back? Eric. In the draft. Okay. However, if you can find a way to get Darius Slay for a later round pick, maybe end of that fourth. <clears throat> I'm, I'm totally into that. That's I'm totally into that. Um, Kevin. All right. I've already said that we're going to spend one of our first three picks on a offensive tackle and on an edge rusher. So I don't feel like I can say that we're for sure going to spend it on a corner. I think we'll spend some drop assets on the, on it, but I think it's going to be primarily a reclamation project. I think maybe it's bringing in a Darby or somebody like that. I agree. I think cornerback is a free agency play. I like um actually recently cut Tremaine or soon to be cut Tremaine Johnson. Could be a good fit. Wouldn't affect the compensatory calculation because he's getting cut. And honestly, wasn't really that bad until last year, where I think that if I played for Adam Gase, I also would have my soul sucked out and not want to play very hard. Is Adam Gase still their coach or did he get fired after one year? Nope. He's still their coach. That's a so, mistake. So um yeah, that's that's why I think Tremaine Johnson might be like a sneaky play this free agency. Um, he can he guarantees a level of average play and can push Flowers because if like ideally if we sign a guy like that, then Flowers ends up playing well enough to keep his job. Yeah, but it just guarantees a floor, which I think is really smart right now. All right, um, the next position is running back. Um, but right now they're saying both Penny and Carson will not be available for the preseason, but will be good to go week one, which tells me uh, they will both not be available week one. Yeah, week so, three, here we go. Uh, Eric, would you rather address this one uh, two ain't bad. This depth issue in the uh, in the draft or in the free agency? So realistically, it's going to be draft. Now we talked about sometimes you have to say both. <clears throat> I think when you say free agency, you kind of mean spending money because we're obviously going to get a body in to help us for those thin early couple weeks and maybe uh, someone to hover around Travis Homer, uh, maybe an Alex Collins. I'm not really into that pick, um, that, that repick. Uh, this is a draft situation where we could probably get a guy in the sixth and we would be pretty happy. Look at our history. We've done that before and it's worked out really well for us. So I'm predominantly draft. Kevin? We're going to draft a guy. 
there's enough good athletes, athletes at running back this year that we're probably going to spend like what we got a compensatory four. So we have a a three and two fours. I think one of those picks is going to be on a running back, whether that's what I would want to do or not. I tend to agree. And I think it's going to be one of those like pure athlete guys like Cam Akers or um, it's going to be somebody's going to slip. Uh, J.K. Dobbins, who's going to, when he finally does test, he's going to test out the building. Or it'll be like a small schools guy who people are like, I don't know if he's going to be. And then like he just has this freaky profile at his pro day. Yeah, I agree. I'm 100% with you there, Kevin. I think that's how they address that issue. Then, um, okay, uh, what I'm forgetting something. Uh, wide receiver. Oh, okay, wide receiver, sure. Draft, next. Yeah, I don't. It's just too deep of a wide receiver draft. No, it's definitely going to be draft, but I think... If we strike out on all the splashy free agents and Amari Cooper's like the guy that we can go get, I don't hate it, to be honest with you. It wouldn't be the dumbest. Um, if that's their, if we can get Amari Cooper without giving up more than two years of guaranteed money, um, yeah, okay. That's pretty cool. So, so how's that for us? There's going to be so many guys in the draft, though, and like Kevin said, people are going to fall. The interesting thing about the draft, and this is where Kevin said he didn't see us drafting a cornerback. I've been doing a lot of mock drafts, and I think it's going to go something like edge, offensive line, wide receiver in our first three picks, no matter trading down or not. And the more I look at it, I just look at the big stud wide receivers. You could really shore up that that position group with a pick and like our our third pick in the draft, whatever round that is. All right. And, um... Yeah, the the thing is, there there's rumors going around. This is my my big take here uh, for spending. Um, the guard position. If Brandon Scherf doesn't get franchise tagged, I think that is a guy who sneakily could improve the offensive line quite a bit, really fast. But he's gonna get money. Uh huh. Like. Are you gonna pay him big 15? guard? Big guard money, which is not the same as big tackle money. It's like fifteen. Yeah, it's like it's like yes, mid mid ten. I I I would rather do that than Conklin for twenty or I mean, nineteen yes. or whatever it's gonna end up being. Yes, if that's my two choices, yes. And I, I and there's gonna be one splash. But, but your beefy boys, dude, you gonna push out Phil, one of the beefy boys? Phil Haynes. Phil Haynes can beat stay. I'm, I'm gonna go with that. Phil, we got Phil. Right next, and then Scherf. That's uh, perfect. Jamarco, we got Posich. Yeah, those guys can get Posich is the future at center. That's my uh, that's my take there too. I, I like that take. I'm on board with that take too, though. Um, I wouldn't mind uh, getting Caesar Ruiz or somebody for center. Yeah, that, that'd, be that, sec- if, that'd be sexy time. If he falls into our lap, you know that's what happens. But the interior offensive line, I really like the idea of that being a position. Like I said, if, if Scherf ends up, I wouldn't mind running after like a Chris Jones or a Brandon Scherf or one of these like big name free agents that that isn't on the radar right now because. Uh, Chris Jones, they're talking about being a franchise and trade candidate. Right. Which, which is, is interesting. I would rather have Chris Jones than Yannick Ngakwe. Yes. I'll tell you that. It just works better for what the Seahawks are trying to do. The I'd rather have Clay. Oh, I'm, I got to say this on the podcast. Yeah, get on the corner on I, I got to get on this corner more. We got to get, I'd rather have Clay Campbell than Yannick Ngakwe. And because Clay Campbell fits the scheme. He's a one year, he's a one year rental. So he fits the timeline. We don't have to give him a bunch of years to get him. He's probably going to be more affordable to get. Cause there's only one year left on the contract. Uh, he's also old. So I don't think it takes more than like a, that third compensatory or maybe even the, the our true fourth fourth rounder to get him. And, uh, 
yeah, take $15 million of Jacksonville's cap so they can go try to get pay a billion dollars for one of these medium uh, quarterbacks because they struck out with Nick Foles. Yeah, fine with me. I don't care. Uh, All right, anything else before we get to the money zone? Let's do it. Mm -mm. All right. So for those of you who uh, enjoy the Seahawks Nest podcast, even in the uh, potpourri episode where we talk about a million different things, uh, you can support us in many ways. The best way to do so, head over to patreon.com slash Seahawks Nest. Be like new patrons, Brandon. And man, this name is like going to kill me right here. And I feel, I don't even want to try it because I like Just feel do like, it, coward. Um, okay. Oh, let me, what, what is it? Let me see. Uh, Mr. H, uh, Mr. S, uh, S H, that's the initials. Uh, man, how about this? <laughs> can you just like message me? I'm going to say it's a, we're going to say it's short. Mm, I don't think that's it. I know. I think it's like going to be like short. It's going to be less syllables than you think based on how many letters that is. Okay. Uh, but you can be like them. Join the join the uh, Seahawks Nest Patreon. You uh, can get in here. Make it to, Let me say all the names that I have to say. Uh, here we go. The active patrons. It's only 14 clicks to get to this page, you know? So... I love how well organized that website is. Brandon, Timothy, Jack, James, Lucas, Carrie, Tom, Nick, Frank, Bob, Richard, Kieran, Mike, Brett, Flockness, Keith, Michelle, and Brian. Thank you for so much for supporting the podcast, and uh, thank you everyone. Make sure to get in the get in the Discord, talk trash to uh, to everyone, especially Brett. Brett. <laughs> just just kidding, Brett. But uh, but uh, yeah. But in all seriousness, Brett. But in all seriousness, he did say red delicious apples were good. So, um, all right. You've been waiting for it. Uh, we were going to do, we might do two, uh, two movie club things here. Cause this first one might be short. You ready for this, Eric? Sure. This is, this is a surprise. I'm surprising Eric and Kevin Ooh. here. Pe- Long time people who've been in the Patreon know that, um, something that comes up way too often is the varieties of apples and which ones, <laughs> which ones they like. So this is not Sea Hex Nest movie club. This is Seahawks Nest Apple Club. Yeah. Okay, and we are going to do an apple draft. Man, we get that new soundboard. We can okay. put in a sound effect of someone apple biting an apple. Apple Eliminator. Apple Ooh. Eliminator. Okay. So, no, no not an apple. Wazoo, eliminator. out. Not an apple eliminator, though. We got to do an apple. Red delicious out first. Apple draft. Okay. So, we're going to um, do one apple you love, and then we're going to snake back one apple you hate. Okay? And this is going to be real quick. All right? So you can't pick the same thing as someone else, all right? Eric. Oh, I'm going you're first. You're first pick. You get first pick of this, but you'll get last pick for apple you hate. So, Eric. Oh, wow. What's your favorite apple variety? What's your, what's, your first, the what's, what's the first pick for best apple? We can't pick the same apple. We have to pick a different apple type than you. I don't know why I'm making all these rules about this. But you know what? I'm not going to spend all the time on it. Stuff. Honeycrisp. Honeycrisp is a great choice. Nice job, Eric. Eric, what do you love about the Honeycrisp apple? Well, I mean, everything to love about it is in its name. It's a Honeycrisp apple. So it's sweet. It's crunchy and firm, not mushy and, uh, you know, red like a red delicious. And uh, it still tastes like everything you want in an apple, baby. It's All right. perfect. Kevin. Damn, uh, I have a bit of a rough time with this because I Eric took, took my favorite <laughs> apple, which is Honey the Crisp is a great first honey pick. Crisp. If you're so if you're, maybe the Cosmic Crisp. Cosmic Crisp is a good cosmic choice. Cosmic Crisp is a good whoa, choice whoa, here. I don't even know if 
You can't you can't just that, go with no, space apples. Different that's... apple, different apple. I'm with Kevin on this. Kevin, you pick Cosmic Crisp. Cosmic Crisp, uh, slightly less sweet than the Honey Crisp, correct? But it's got a little bit of tart on it, which I like some yeah. tart on my mm-hmm. apple. Yep, yep. So what uh, did you do? You know the story behind the Cosmic Crisp? Uh, yeah, it's it's a crossbreed from the Honey Crisp. It's from Wazoo. Yeah, it is a local apple representing the PNW. Yeah, I'm. A- I'm a I'm a fan. I think that, that was like an excellent choice, Kevin. I'm gonna go. Yeah, otherwise, it's Fuji. If I have to pick something that's like more widely available. No, no, the Cosmic Crisp is fine. All right. Um, let me go. Mm, this is tough, but I'm gonna go. Uh... This is tough. There's I'm I have like three three that I'm into. Okay, can I, can I tell you guys my three that I like? Sure. Yep. Okay, I like I like Brayburn. Yes. Yep, I like pink. Brayburn's really good. I like Pink Lady. That's up there. Okay. okay. And um, I like that one that starts with K, but I can't remember the name right now. It's like new. It's like it was like two bucks for a pound. So when I went to the self checkout, I stuck it on the thing, and then I looked up apples and I picked Gala because it was cheap because I knew it'd be cheaper. <laughs> and that's that's why that's why you do self checkout, baby. Uh, <laughs> I was like, this is actually a, a Gala apple. Oh. <laughs> What are they gonna say? They're gonna come over and like inspect it's a the fucking apple. apple. I don't know. I didn't know what I, I was gonna be like. I didn't know it was just an apple. I picked apples, guys. Yeah, but the one says apple. There, there's when you when you type apple into the machine at the self checkout. There's like a thousand apples yes. that come up. It's yeah. like, bro, I'm not gonna. Well, that's through. why we can have an apple eliminator. Oh my gosh, it's like crazy. Yeah, maybe we'll do that next week. Okay, <laughs> I'm gonna go with Brayburn though. Brayburn is pretty good. It's solid. It's um, it's sweet. It's fleshy. Um, you can use it in recipes too, which I like. Yeah, Brayburn, Fuji, and Pink Lady were the three that um, I was like, I might pick one of yeah, these. Yeah, Fuji two. is really firm, which I like. Mm-hmm. Um, I like a, a nice crispy apple. All right, let's get let's get rid of some apples. All right, I'm gonna take out the obvious one. I'm gonna snipe it from the from the stars. This is why uh, he picked to go third because he got to do first and nuke from orbit. I'm gonna kill. I'm gonna kill Red Disgusting. It's the worst apple. Red Delicious apples are terrible. They shouldn't exist. Um, they there's no reason. They're mealy. They're small. They're they don't taste good. Uh, they're not sweet enough to justify how little texture they bring to the table. Um, if you love a nice mushy mouth, then go ahead. You, you know, what? I'll give you all the red delicious apples. They are gross. Uh, I don't like them. They, like I said, they should be made new named Red Disgusting. Uh, I'm out on Red Delicious. Kevin, is there an apple variety you do not like? Yeah, it's really easy. It's Red Delicious. Um, <laughs> You're like, I have to take the same one. It's so bad. But since I can't pick Red Delicious, I have to pick the next closest thing. Golden Delicious? Which is Golden Delicious, yes. which is also disgusting. Um, it's if slightly you would like better. The consistency of a pear that is a little past date, but you want it to be a crappy apple instead, then you should pick a Red or Golden Delicious. That's... Really, you can't go right with either choice. Well, if you put Delicious in the name, you either are selling a million copies because everyone knows it's delicious or you're really trying to pull one over. You know what it is? People. The same person who named these apples is the person who named cities in California. Like, how terrible is it? I know. Let's call it Buena Vista. <laughs> oh, jazz apples are pretty Gold good too. Field. Just so you guys know, yeah, jazz is fine. All right. Uh, okay, so I'm gonna pick the the wor- the best worst, I guess. Uh, I'm gonna go ahead and just pick this one because of how it's used. I'm picking Granny Smith. I hate you. I I, I think like Granny Smith. I think the Granny Smith is a great apple. I think, I think it's a very solid middle of the pack but apple. The tartness I, is very good. I don't ever want to eat it. I always want to cook like an apple pie. You betcha. Any sort of dessert. You an betcha. An apple pie Indianette strap match. <laughs> you know what? I'm going back. I want I want I want Fuji apples now as my 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 keeper choice. 
And uh, Braeburn, Braeburns, I think I like them because I use them for apple pie, and like that's all I think of them about. And an apple pie with Braeburn and Granny Smiths. That's a oh. good combo. Ooh. Yeah. Or like a, a nice a, uh, a nice uh, apple crumble. Yes. Yeah. That, I, I think like I my 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 thoughts about Braeburn are completely colored by the fact that like my wife makes really great pastries that involve Braeburn. It is apples. a great cooking apple. All right. So that was Apple Club. Uh, if you have a favorite <laughs> apple. If Tell you us. hate our choices, now, add us. Now we loop around. Now we go back to the actual movie club. All right, my movie club now. It's been a long time since we took a dump on a movie that we just hated. The Red Delicious of Movies. So, so you guys, I want to tell you about a movie I, I'm really excited about. So yeah. uh, there's this movie came out in 2014. It had, uh, had Jake Gyllenhaal in it. It was this really like gritty movie. Uh, it really captivated you. It, was, it did something impressive. Uh, movies with a... Uh, a main character that you hate are really, really hard to like for me. Yeah, but they gave it a... Nightcrawler had like a secondary character that was incredible. And, and very easy and to like, which made it so It so introduced good. Riz Ahmed to like an American audience, which should have happened sooner. And so, so I heard great. Dan Gilroy was going to come out with a new movie last year, and I was really interested. It had this really intriguing, weird concept, and then I started to hear from people who watched it. Yeah, so you're like you hear the people that are in this movie. It's like David Diggs, Natalia Dyer, Tony Collette, Rene Russo, Jay Gyllenhaal, John Malkovich, Dan Gilroy's back, Velvet Buzzsaw. It's a horror com. It's a horror uh, comedy, and you think like, how could this be bad? How could it? Um, it is one of my least favorite movies I've ever watched, start to finish. It's not. It looks pretty good. Here's here's how I was, when I was watching it. Okay, I'm watching it with my friend uh, Chris. Okay, we're watching it and we're like, man, this movie kind of sucks. Like, it's not that good, but the visuals are nice. The acting is good. So like, I'm at the end of the movie and I'm like, I'm gonna give it like a one and a half out of five. Like, it was bad, but it wasn't that bad. And at the end of the movie, Rene Russo's neck tattoo murders her, and I was like, nope, point five out of five. Like that is the <laughs> that is just the, I just cannot take any i cannot believe they decided to end the movie like that that is the dumbest shit i've ever seen in my entire life i they they the made it ins- a, insulting it's a insulting. full circle of awfulness when that happened yeah she's in the bu- rock band velvet buzzsaw dude it's um it's about an art critic named morph who is a uh a bisexual, strike one bisexual he's weirdo he's a bisexual weirdo and uh that's that's basically the plot of the movie is he goes around and he Being he's, a he's an art critic and uh, he says things like, art is so limiting and emotionally draining and it's, it's really annoying. And uh, he's in a, like two relationships and there's a relationship drama and, it, it, and there's like stuff going on. But anyway, art pieces start murdering people because they steal – what happens is they steal art from a crazy guy's apartment. And he made it with his blood. Yeah, that's uh, guys. Spoilers. This uh, there's something off about this. He made it with his own blood. Yeah. So uh, not not as scary as you would I ever mean, think. But then things that that guy ma- didn't make start murdering people too. Like there's that weird silver thing with the holes in it, and the lady sticks her arm in it and it like chops her up. I, it's th- there's no worry. There, Which, it, hold on, this that, movie is super incoherent. That, that it's one of my scene, biggest problem with problem when that with happens. Movie. The only thing shocking about it was all the kids walking in on the armless woman. Or the... the like, when have you ever stuck your arm in anything? One, for no reason. She's just kind of, oh, I'm stick my arm in here. Oh, well, that was part of the art piece was you, like, stick your arm in there and it makes you feel something. Yeah, and she went really far, yeah. And it was... It was just bizarre. And then they... See, that's the, thing that, that's the thing that drives me nuts about this movie, though, is, like, it goes from, like, okay, this guy has haunted art and he's gonna, like, be haunted. So now he's, <laughs> he's like... He's got haunted art. To now, like... 
all these random art pieces are like starting to like also be haunted. Like now there's this graffiti on the wall and this girl walks into the art gallery from the graffiti and now she's stuck in the graffiti. And it's just like dumb stuff like that keeps happening. And it's mildly unbelievable how stupid it is. And it's, it's like a, it was like supposed to be like a, like a satire horror on like art criticism and stuff. But like, there's, it's just not biting enough to be good satire. It's just real weak satire. And then it's not when you do st- satire. That means you have an, aff- an affinity for something and you really want to, you know, show it off to people. This was like the worst type of passion project I've ever seen. And it's not scary enough to be actual, actually scary. It's like Saw without the fun or without the, you know, the original twist so, from the first one. So what's your favorite part of the movie? Mine is when Hobo Man kills Morph. Because I'm just like so freaking stupid. There's a robot art piece named Hobo Man that murders Morph. That's <laughs> If that doesn't make you not want to watch the movie, I don't know how to convince you. But... Oh my gosh, this movie it would be like right pickings for like a riff tracks or like just someone to just rip on it the whole time. It's it's so stupid. I don't know how else to explain it. Wait, who is uh, Hobo Man? That was the robot? Yeah, Hobo Man was yeah. that weird that That's, weird robot. That, that was probably the uh the best part of the movie. Just because seeing that was unsettling and then uh then it just got dumb like everything else. Yeah. All right. Do Come you- on, Kevin, let's uh Let's talk about your favorite movie, Velvet Buzzsaw, and how much Kevin, it... Kevin skipped it because he heard he heard it. all these stupid things about it. But don't you don't you don't you remember the preview? I just like Dan Gilroy. He's like he was like I'm trying to send <laughs> I'm trying to send a message with this morph character because I think sexuality is more fluid than society does. It's like, dude, cool that you made this character, but it's like, could you put a good movie around it? Because now it just seems like you tacked this on. Also, it was a to dumb try to character. Get me to like right. it. like so, you, since you screwed I didn't do anything else, I'm going to do Nathan's favorite thing. I'm going to read things, uh, people's reviews from Letterbox. There we go. So, uh, OMG, everyone, I'm so sorry. When I sold my soul to that ancient trickster god in exchange for the actualization of my heart's truest desire, Jake Gyllenhaal playing a bisexual art critic named Morph in a horror comedy, I forgot to specify that I also wanted a cohesive plot structure. Again, so sorry. We'll definitely not be making the same mistake with the monkey's pie stole from that vengeful witch. I mean, Dan Gilroy went from Nightcrawler to Roman J. Ezrael Esquire to Velvet Buzzsaw, which if you can't tell, it's just getting, it's only getting worse. Uh, How come this episode of Goosebumps wasn't just 30 minutes like all the other ones? Great. That's a good, that's a good joke. Uh, Let's see. It has has a a absolutely stunning 63% on Rotten Tomatoes, which is just mind blowing to me. Um, 36% audience score though. Yes, that's, that's but, more in line. Yes, but is it art, Eric? Absolutely not. It's pretentious crap, which is probably the point, but it's still crap, which wasn't good. Here's my favorite one. This one could have been written by Eric. Final destination, but you know, make it artsy. <laughs> uh, I, I like this obvious, obvious uh, commentary on art world mixed with low grade slasher material. One and a half out of five. <laughs> A boring, a movie trying so hard to criticize something, it's easy to become that something, and it did. <laughs> I mean, that's what it is. It really is, like, exactly what it purports to be making fun of. And it's like, why is John Malkovich... There's so many things. Like, John Malkovich is in this movie. Why? There's. It's like completely... Wa- they completely waste all of these people in the in this movie, and I don't know. It's it's really bad. So if you, 
If you love this movie, can you please tell me why? What you liked about it? I would. I'm really curious. He liked uh, the Velvet and the Buzzsaw. I just want to know what what people liked about it. All right, Velvet Buzzsaw is like a Black Mirror episode that looks like a CW TV show com- that has to premiere on Sci-Fi Channel. Yep, that's um, <laughs> that's correct. <laughs> next next question. Um, John Dan Gilroy visited Chicago to see the Bean and went. See that? Let's put holes in it. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, it's garbage. This movie is is tr- trash. It's a it's pretentious art purporting to satire, pretentious art. Um, That's accurate. Which is like maybe the most insufferable thing I can think of. Um, but Jake Gyllenhaal is really right good up there in, with Lighthouse. Jake Gyllenhaal is really good in this movie. So, um, yeah, I really wish that Danny DeVito was in it, or like you know, because they, they, they got every other actor to be in it. So why not? Not this. It'd I be guess better I, if it was uh, Danny DeVito's character from It's Always Sunny when he played an art critic. Right. Okay, that, let me that, say that, this one. Where he, the one where he has the, the <laughs> yellow hair. That's exactly what I'm referencing. So let me say it this way. Um, this is a thing that's happened with Netflix movies where it ends up being a collection of names, but it doesn't maximize any of the talent. This is the same thing that happened with, uh, what was it, Triple Frontier? Where it could have been a legitimately oh. decent action triple, movie. Triple Frontier was at least like a very fine It was fine. It was perfectly fine watchable. Six, let's talk about Six Underground. Let's Ugh. not. It was Michael Bay. It was going to suck. Six, but Six Underground, man, you could not take a movie that has more potential than that movie and squander it. It was basically like an 84-minute made-for-TV HBO movie that they stretched to 91 minutes by adding slow motion shots. I mean, you're right, Kevin. It's like a net, You're right. Netflix is doing this thing. It's like absolutely awful. Is there... What other movies it's, have they it's done? It's like mail-in... Uh, you know, it's it's not passion projects. It's mail-in efforts What's from Polar. Top Polar names. was that one, yeah, Kevin. Polar, that's another one. Man, they have so many of these. Polar's, have, Polar's probably just... their best movie because it's uh, if you can't afford to see John Wick, but you can steal your parents' Netflix password, go watch Polar. Uh, a lot. They have a, a set of movies that are just the whole is less than the sum of the parts, and it's unfortunate. Um, they put out some really good movies and they've got some really good product, but I do think they end up getting like these kind of half-ass rush jobs from people and it's just not quality. Well, what about that Kevin James one? The, the internationals and then all the, all the Adam Sandler ones, the do over and all those movies are all pretty. Did you see uh, there's a new Mark Wahlberg one? Ooh, what guess is what it? he plays? What? A detective. Okay. What, wait, what's the movie called? Um, Spencer Spence. Yeah. It's, uh. Spencer Confidential. Yep, That's it's a apparently great just a generic noir, but it stars uh, it stars your boy. Well, I'm in for this. I don't care. I... He has a prosthetic gun. Wait, is it <laughs> attached to his hand? No, lower. Oh yeah, yeah. That, that's, a, <laughs> that's true. It says here's the description: Spencer, an ex-cop and ex-com, teams up with an aspiring fighter, Hawk, to uncover a sinister conspiracy tied to the deaths of two Boston police officers and Hawk the, is winston duke and in this movie uh we've got post malone in the yeah. trailer what yep. what is and post malone doing in this movie he's trying to get you to watch the movie because oh, why Ber- else would he be peter there peter berg directed doesn't this? make sense yes. 
Oh, well, this this will be aggressively fine at, at worst. It's going to, it's gonna like I I'm really looking forward to watching it sometime this week while I'm trying to grade papers because it's definitely going to be a brave and level of all right. Thirty nine per. This is the reverse of the uh, Velvet Buzzsaw. Sixty three percent audience with thirty nine percent critics, which means I'll probably enjoy it while not actually thinking it's good. Yeah, it'll be like a two, two and a half. Um, yeah, it's gonna be right there with Tracers. Apparently, it's set. <laughs> apparently, it sets up a sequel. Oh, oh no! Good, lucky us. That's that. It. I'll be. I'll be left hanging. Spencer Confidential Two, the uh, the an, an even better name. Wait, it has Winston Duke in it. Yeah, that's what I said. Oh, this is great. He plays the psychic character, and Winston Duke. I, I want to see him oh in all gosh. the things. This is this is. It, it, you're right, Kevin. This it's is, weirdly appealing. They just, they just throw actors in this. Post uh-huh. Malone, Bokeem Woodbine, Mark Marone. Like what are these? That's people, what I'm Alan, saying. Alan Arkin. What are these people doing here? Uh, they had like an extra weekend. And they're like, hey, you want to shoot a Netflix movie? And everyone's like, sure, let's get together. <laughs> I, th- I think they just basically throw a kager and whatever actors show up. They're like, now you're in a movie. All right, I want to see who wrote the writer of this movie, what else they wrote. This is their second screenwriting credit. The first one they received was in 1999. Oh. Small Vices, a Spencer mystery. Oh, with Joe uh, Montaigne. Wait, the, the character is spelled the same. Joe Montaigne as Spencer. Wait, Whoa, is this, maybe it's like oh, Manhunter and Silence sequel. of the Lambs. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I a made-for-TV movie that's done with a, a real movie sequel. It's I wonder how for, many episodes of CSI this guy wrote between... It's a made-for-cable <laughs> mystery thriller, dude. This is exactly Ooh. what it is. Dude, look it up. I bet this guy wrote for like NCIS or CSI. This is so rad. I'm excited for okay, this now. Small Vices, a Spencer mystery. This is a, this is a, this is it. This how you, this is when the research is happening, and I'm doing it while we're doing the podcast. This is this guy's Michael Scarn. Okay, Small Vices is the 24th Spencer novel by Robert B. Parker. So are these based on a novel? What a novel idea! It really is based on a novel. There's there's 40 books. Dude, there could be so many Netflix movies. <laughs> oh no! Dude, that's oh, right. Let's no. see. It took 21... Are any of the books called Spencer wait, wait, Confidential? It took, it took twenty-one years. Wait. So at this rate, it's gonna be like a couple hundred years until they, they made, release them all. They made three, three Spencer TV movies. Okay, uh, Spencer Small Vices, Thin Air, and Walking Shadow, and Joe Montana put Spencer in all of them. Poor. I wonder if. Uh, see if he's in the new one. See if he makes a cameo. Uh, Joe Montana. Is Joe Montana alive? How dare you? I think so. <laughs> He's 72, but no, he is alive. And is he in Spencer Confidential? No. That's no, he is not. Terrible. You 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 think they should have gone for that? They should have I mean, why not? What else are you going for? What channel do you think Spencer uh the three Spencer movies were on, were on? TNT. Okay, good guess. And it's not right. That's not right, but Eric, Kevin, you got a guess? Uh what is the question? What ch- what channel do you think that they uh that these movies oh. aired on the Joe Montana Spencer movies. I don't freaking know WB A and E. Oh, there you uh, go. Okay. I was gonna I was gonna come with it USA. Was after murder. She How wrote. many audiobooks do you think Joe Montana narrated of the Spencer novels? Seven. Four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, no! ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, four, fourteen, dude. <laughs> okay, just for the podcast, I think I'm gonna download a Spencer audiobook that that uh. Joe Montana read because I think I have to do it. It's that's a this is my fate. I'm I mean, showing some Kevin of these books are pretty well reviewed. Four, lots of fours. So Spencer, dude, look at the guy that wrote Spencer. This guy has like the killer mustache. Kevin, what do you think? It's a good mustache. It's a solid mustache. Yeah, he looks like uh, he, he looks, roots for. Da he Bears. looks like a mystery novel writer for sure. He looks like Sheriff Buford T. Justice. 
<laughs> he died in 2010. Robert B. Parker, rest in peace, man. Oh, he's not gonna he's not gonna see his dream come true or whatever. <laughs> Mark Wahlberg plays Spencer. Yeah. Poor poor Bob. I can't believe this Spencer thing. All right, well now this this now went from a bottle episode to the best podcast I've ever done. So for Eric Ronnebeck, for Kevin Garber, we will see you next week. Go Hawks. <laughs>